Hey there. Thanks for joining me today for another episode of Lymphedema Podcast. My name is Betty. I'm a certified lymphedema therapist, passionate lymphedema advocate, mother, and the voice behind the Lymphedema Podcast. What began as a small passion project in 2019 to provide answers and explanations to people with the lymphatic disease lymphedema has now reached more than 75 countries. Whether you're a patient, caregiver, medical professional, or someone interested in lymphedema, there's an episode here for you. Every week this season, there will be a new episode to help you learn more and navigate better your journey ahead. I'm so passionate about teaching others about lymphedema that I made this podcast just for you. Disclaimer, if you feel you have lymphedema but have not been diagnosed, please see your medical professional as this podcast is not a replacement for a diagnosis in person, a treatment in person from your certified lymphedema therapist, or a substitution for your doctor's medical advice. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're ready to learn something new today. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to today's episode of Lymphedema Podcast. I'm Betty Westbrook, your host of Lymphedema Podcast. And I am so happy to have with me today Dr. Heather Evans from Dallas, Texas, joining me. And I'm excited because I believe Heather was probably one of the very first people that I ever told I was going to start the podcast. And we joked um, when I asked her to come on, she's like, yeah, it's about time. I think I said I would come on a couple years ago. So it is overdue. Um, And Heather, welcome to the podcast. Hi, good morning, Betty. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I honestly, I kept coming back to your name when I was trying to think of a clinician to bring on to help kind of tie together this theme of not all CLTs are created equal. And I think that's a great starting point because it's going to let us die. Wait, it's going to let us dive into your career path. So can you in, you know, small amount of time, which, you know, we know could take a long time to like go through all the details. Can we uh, talk about your career path and how you even got started in lymphedema treatment? Yep. Glad to do it. It was actually, it was kind of a fluke really. I, you know, I'm somebody who sort of sees a need and fills it. If I were to say what my general mantra is, I was a PTA, which is the physical therapist assistant. I worked for a large corporation that has uh, rehab hospitals, outpatient clinics, and uh, skilled nursing. So I was there in, back in 1997 and working in uh, subacute and outpatient therapy. And you know, we have these monthly meetings where the director says, hey, the corporation has identified this market of patients that we're not serving, and that's lymphedema. <clears throat> and they've hired someone Uh, to come in and teach our therapists lymphedema treatment, and we need somebody to volunteer to go for the class. So that happened a couple months in a row, and nobody raised their hand. So the, you know, three months later, the director's getting a little bit more anxious about somebody (laughs) needing to go to this class because it's coming up. So I was just being a team player and raised my hand. I'll go. No clue what lymphedema was. I was just being helpful. So I get to this class. It's a 10-day certification class. And the more I listened about what this was and what the treatment was and how the anatomy worked, I thought, oh, my gosh, this makes so much sense. And, oh, my goodness, these poor people that we used to do 
retrograde massage and we put heat on these swollen limbs. I mean, it's what we were taught in school. This is back in 1997 and lymphedema was just emerging in the United States. Like, we certainly weren't the first group to do it, but the, the education was just starting to be more widely offered. Yeah. I worked in outpatient. I worked in the subacute wound hospital. So I got really good at bandaging because it's all I did. I was the only person there doing it. And I came back from class, you know, I was so nervous because it was a brand new treatment modality. I remember having my class manual open and on my first few patients and looking like, what am I supposed to do next? But it came, you know, because I did it all day long, we had a big need. I got, you know, really seasoned at it pretty quickly. It was like sink or swim. I was working in outpatient when healthcare really changed managed care came along back in the 90s and visits were cut payments were cut i was seeing mostly breast cancer recovering lymphedema patients who had swelling in their arm and they started asking me upon discharge hey my insurance is kicking me out i'm all done and it would be really expensive for me to come here will you come to my house and i'll just pay you cash because it's maintenance and I couldn't do that as a PTA. You can't perform physical therapy without a doctor's prescription. And as a PTA, you mm -hmm. cannot perform that service without a physical therapist overseeing you and supervising. So I said no. And over time, I heard myself saying no to these people more and more often and thought, again, there's a need for this. Yeah. So I went to massage school bought a table, stuck it in the trunk of my car, and I started saying yes. Evenings and weekends, I went to people's houses to do their maintenance lymphedema work. I think I've never put together how you and I both got into lymphedema mm -hmm. because that's a very, very similar story, except it didn't take months. I just happened to send a text after going to a, a meeting and I was like, hey, if you guys are interested, like I could help PRN. I could come over a couple hours or if this is like a weekend thing, let me know. Because I was all about a side hustle, like PRN, extra hours, mm -hmm. and, you know, nursing home, acute care, taking shifts, whatever. And mine didn't take months. They had me changing departments and signed up within a couple weeks, I think. But that's exactly how I got into it. I was like, hey, you know, why not? Uh, if no one else is going to, I will. So it's interesting. I didn't know that we had that part in common. Yeah, you know, there's a really broad need for lymphedema services across a lot of spectrums, and there there just weren't people doing it. You have since continued your career path because you're a business owner, um, and you're Dr. Evans now because you are a chiropractor as well. Yes. I, it's I have actually lymphedema to thank for that as well, because when I was working in outpatient, it, in a couple of years, I, as a massage therapist, going to people's houses, evenings and weekends, doing their maintenance work, one of my patients was a chiropractor. She had lymphedema in her arm from breast cancer. So I would go to her office. Uh, you know, once some people I see once a week, once a month, just depending on what their need was. 
and she, I'd never been to a chiropractor. I didn't really know what chiropractors did. And I mean, sort of, you know, we didn't have YouTube videos back then. So the, you know, the knowledge just wasn't there. And she really taught me about chiropractic and I used to get headaches. And so she worked on my neck a couple times. I would spend sometimes, you know, a day with a headache with ice on my neck because my neck didn't feel good. And she adjusted my neck one time and my headache was gone in 10 minutes. So that really sparked my interest in what, what is this and how does it work? I started sending people to her. You know, once you know about a modality and you learn about it, you start to recognize who maybe could be helped by this. And right. when, you know, in my 40s, after I was a lymphedema therapist on my own, because after a couple of years, I had a full-time business. I quit my regular job and I started going door to door. And all I did all day long was drive around in my car and see people for lymphedema maintenance work. After five years of that, I got kind of tired of being in my car. I was eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner in my car and driving all around. So I rented one little office and it happened to be right next door to that chiropractor. So we furthered our, you know, my education and what chiropractic was. And when I decided I wanted to learn something new, what am I going to do with the next 20 years of my career? I was a little bit, I mean, I don't want to use the word bored because that seems to diminish what I was doing. It doesn't, but I'd done the same thing for 20 years and I just wanted to learn something new. So I picked chiropractic. It was a great fit. It sounds, it sounds perfect for you. And it sounds like it just all fell in place. Yep. Again. And oh. honestly, it stacks on top of each other. Kind of, it just builds this education base to help your yeah, clientele. Yeah. It's very holistic. When somebody comes to me, I really look at the whole person. Part of the reason I picked chiropractic is as a PTA, I could have gone back to PT school, but that wasn't new. You know, I'd been a PTA yeah. since I was 23 years old and now I'm 43. And so that wasn't new to me, but chiropractic added some new avenues. You know, there's a pretty extensive education in biochemistry and nutrition. And I would see these people recovering from cancer who wanted to get healthy, who'd been you know, sometimes when people get cancer, they realize, oh gosh, you know, I've been stressed for the last two decades. I've been eating donuts. I've been not exercising. Like, what are the things that I can do to get myself out of this better and to pr hopefully prevent it from happening again? And nutrition yeah. and supplementation is a big part of that, as well as the musculoskeletal changes that come from these surgeries and other conditions. So I thought it would well, it would round my education out. And it did. I want to circle back to the beginning of your career as a PTA. You did talk about how you would be asked about doing maintenance, but you know, with our restrictions as PTAs, you couldn't say yes and you couldn't help them outside of that. In the clinic, what restrictions do you feel like you faced clinically as a PTA, you know, may it be materials or scheduling or education or any of that stuff? What kind of issues did you face then with that? Well, I, I'm well aware that I was very lucky 
because these were the early days and it's a little bit different today. Back when I was a PTA in the healthcare system, in the hospital system, the hospital paid for the bandaging, even in outpatient, yeah. you know, and places don't always do that today. They will inpatient if a person has a wound, but in outpatient today, they don't do that. But I was lucky. I ordered whatever I needed. I had a supply closet and, um, you know, so that was not a barrier. I, I think a, one perceived barrier was that I didn't have a PT who's doing my evaluations that was certified in lymphedema. So, you know, they had to, I handed them the evaluation forms and they looked over my class materials to familiarize themselves with the goals for treatment so that they could do a proper evaluation, which is perfectly within their scope. You yeah. know, a, a PT does not have to be certified in stroke to do a stroke evaluation. They don't have to be certified in quadriplegia to do a spinal cord evaluation. You know, they yeah. have a base knowledge and scope, so they can do it. Yeah. So that that's a little bit of a perceived restriction, but not necessarily. I think the ultimate biggest factor was time. You know, in the outpatient setting, we were scheduled one patient for one hour, which again, by today's standards, that is, that is generous. I, I think the barrier to that is just, you know, as much as we want to think that we're all helping people and it's an altruistic profession and it is, it's also a business. Yeah. So it's not really economical for the facility to have one therapist with one patient for one hour versus the traditional outpatient setting where one therapist can have three patients in the same hour because they're all doing different things and the therapist can kind of bounce back and forth and direct the activity. Now a break to recognize the sponsors that make Lymphedema Podcast possible. Eros Medical is a pneumatic compression treatment providing upper and lower extremity compression with more than 30 sizes and pump sleeves. Eros is sure to have a product to help you in against lymphedema. Pediatric Lymphedema Alliance is the first pediatric lymphedema garment kit and education resource. Play provides specifically curated kits for pediatric patients by age and stage of lymphedema. The eight-hour online course is a great starting point for new therapists or families who are interested in learning more about the fundamentals of pediatric lymphedema management. Juzo family-owned compression garments give you the freedom to make the most of every day. Lymphedema treatment, while I often say it's not rocket science, it's very specific. Manual lymph drainage is required because you have to stimulate the lymphatic system in order to increase its pumping action so that the system creates suction to pull the fluid. It picks up its pace and helps drain the fluid off of the whole body, the whole system picks up, but you have to get that moving. You also have to work on the proximal swelling to, to start evacuating the fluid out of the extremity that's swollen. That is absolutely essential. You cannot do lymphedema therapy without it. The next essential part is compression bandaging. If you evacuate fluid out of a swollen extremity, 
the skin will be loose and it will just fill back up because you have to remember that person's lymphatic system is damaged. If you do not put compression on a person, you are not closing those lymphatic valves so that the mechanism of propulsion is restored. You might get a little reduction in therapy because you've done the lymphatic drainage massage and I call it massage because people understand that you're laying on a treatment table receiving a hands-on technique. So for the layman, I do call it massage. I know people get a little conflicted about that. Yeah, I I have that confliction and I'll say for the you know sake of this conversation, we're going to call this a massage. It is not technically massage. I am not going deep. But but if anytime you lay your hands on someone in that way, they're like, oh, this is a nice right. massage. I'm like, well, okay. If that's if that helps you right. understand it, yes. But for them to put together manual lymph drainage and like anchoring filaments and things right. like that, they're right. not going to get it. So, so there's there's <clears throat> layman terms and then there's terms we speak with each other as trained clinicians. So yeah, thanks for that clarification. But back to the back to the treatment protocol, you cannot do lymphedema therapy without one of those components and skincare is an integral component with that as well. It's not like if you had to leave something off and only pick two, I guess, you know, that would be the thing you would leave off. But MLD and compression is absolutely essential. It is like trying to bake a cake without eggs or flour. It simply will never work no matter what else you do. And an hour is really the minimum time to do that. And that's pushing it. Because part of that is you have to teach the patient to bandage themselves. Because this person has a system that is damaged forever while they don't. The goal of therapy is so that they do not have a swollen arm or they do not have a swollen leg. They have to maintain this for the rest of their life. Yes, they can circle back through treatment every year when health insurance gives them new benefits. But the day-to-day maintenance, if they want to have a normal-looking arm or leg, they have to continue this on their own because your body's always producing new lymphatic fluid, so it's just going to swell back up again. Yeah, you can't do it without it. And it's, it's honestly a losing battle if you're trying to do one component of CDT and you're not pulling it together. Because even if they're doing their skincare and maybe exercise at home, if you're if you as a clinician are not properly doing your MLD and your bandaging, and or you know, and by bandaging I mean compression system because we know now there's various ways to do it, but you're going to get the best results with a compression system with a bandaging application, and then progressing out of that. I have you and I had. Um, a mutual contact years back and I bandaged her and she did so great. But even her limp system, when she was discharged and at home in her maintenance program using a Velcro garment, she filled back up because it wasn't as consistent. It wasn't being adjusted and you have to stay on top of that. And without that education that you're talking about, 
the patient's going to end up back in your office within six weeks, six months, you know, something like that, because it doesn't take long for all of that progress to be lost with that lymph fluid flowing back down. This is a point that was really made evident to 100%. me. 100%. And I really hope that like Jeanette or no one at the NLN is <laughs> going to call me for call me out on this one. Um, but I've mentioned it a couple times that I was really happy to have the opportunity to present the pediatric section at the NLN expert clinicians first conference. <clears throat> and the thing that really kind of got me thinking about this, honestly, that not all CLTs are created equal is that there were many different disciplines that came through the conference and the courses. And I, we had to check off and one of them, I specifically remember going up, checking the bandage that they had done on the pediatric model. And I was like, well, this is really off. Like your finger wraps are off and your overlap on the short stretch is way off. Um, and we just kind of were going over it and she's, and she's like, well, I don't bandage anyways. I'm a massage therapist. And that really shocked me because in the course, especially being at that specific course for NLN expert clinician, she wanted me to sign off on her paper that she passed the lab and all that stuff. And I just couldn't. And I told her, I said that I, I didn't feel like she would be able to provide CDT, which is the whole point of providing full lymphedema care. Um, and that was just a conf like a moral ethical conflict for me. And I've had this conversation. I don't talk about it as much now because I've learned that I just want to enjoy my massage. But when I go for a massage and people ask me what I do, I would say I do, you know, I'm a sure. PTA, I do lymphedema therapy. And they will, without a doubt, say, oh, I do lymphatic massage too. And I go, and we are not the same. And, and not in like a rude way, but I'm like, it's not the same. Um, and the way I had explained it to one massage therapist was that you're really going to hurt someone and you could do some mm -hmm. damage if you're just telling them right. that you do lymphatic massage and that's what you need to treat lymphedema because a patient who has cancer isn't going to go to just chemotherapy and that's going to treat, cure, remove their cancer. There's generally a full team. There's a whole discipline, a set of disciplines that look at treating that cancer. And so if you're going into it and saying, I do lymphatic massage, it's like saying, here, take this chemo and you're going to be fine. Cause there's side effects to that. You, you know, you may need a tumor resection. You probably needed a biopsy to see what was going on. You might need radiation as well. You're going to need some nutritional things addressed. So you can't just give anyone just one thing and say, that's going to fix it. Um, so that's my soapbox is that Massage therapists who say they do lymphatic massage, it's not the same. Um, I wonder how you did, how did you navigate that? Well, yes, that's a good topic. I, first of all, I, I do want to shout out to the NLN for uh, coming up with this skills checkoff because, you know, when we go to CDT class to the C, full CLT certification, Yes, there's a skills checkoff when you finish class, but it's brand new. 
and you go back and you learn and you're, you know, when you get out of school for anything, even if you're a hairdresser, you graduate from school and then you go out into the real world and work with real people and you hone your skills. And then to go back later and do a checkoff Mm -hmm. to get an expert designation, I think is absolutely genius because there is a difference. I think it's also great what's happened in the lymphatic education world that there is now a 40 hour kind of a step one, you know, part one introduction for the massage therapist person who does just want to perform lymphatic on people with a healthy lymphatic system who don't have lymphedema because people do get lymphatic for um, MLD is great for inflammatory conditions like people who have arthritis or people who, you know, people love right now. It's real popular for people to do it for a detox, you know, but these people, there is a differentiation. I think that the professional ethically needs to understand where their limit is. And even a person who goes to the full CDT course, if they don't feel comfortable bandaging, if they don't want to bandage, you know, that's okay. But do not hold yourself out to be a lymphedema therapist. And for God's sakes, if a lymphedema person ends up in your office, do the right thing and send them to somebody else. Because, and here's how I, to answer your question, sorry, little tangent, but as a massage therapist in my business, when someone calls me and still today, I've got 25 years experience and I am an expert clinician. There are a lot of things I cannot do, but lymphedema is not one of them. I, when a person calls me, I'm a cash based clinic. The first question I ask them is, do you have insurance? If they say yes, I say, okay, is your swelling visible? Can you see a difference? Is one arm bigger than the other? Is one leg bigger than the other? Like, is this a visible problem? And if they say yes, I say, okay, stop right there. Tell me where you live. You need to go to an insurance-based physical therapist, occupational therapist, other health insurance-based clinic. Use your insurance. This is what you're entitled to. This is what is covered. And then when those benefits are used up, then come back to me. You know, if I see that person and I do not tell them they have the option of using their health insurance, honestly, I'm stealing from them. I'm doing them a disservice. And that's, it it feels like holding a person hostage. When you try to capture that person just because you want the money or you want the business, you're not doing right by the patient. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And if you're not doing it fully, you definitely don't want to try. Yes, I was about to. And I can understand a person. I I understand a massage therapist or anybody, a chiropractor, anyone going to the CDT class because they want to learn more. But if you go to that class and you learn that thing and you realize that you don't really want to fully do it, then don't. Yeah. You know, like it's okay that you went to the class. Here's an example. This last year, I, as a chiropractor, went to a dry needling class. 
And I did this two-day class in dry needling. It's very popular. People ask for it. People love it. It has great implications. I went to this class, and I came out of that class with a respect for what dry needling is and for what it takes to be good at it and that I need to come back from that class and I need to own that. I need to spend time. I need to practice on my peers before I get a real person in front of me. I need to really delve into that. And guess what I decided? I'm not going to do that. I learned about it. I know what the indications are. I know what it needs. I know how in-depth it is. And now I know to send them to somebody else because I don't want to do that. I don't want to spend the time owning that technique and being really good yeah. at it. Maybe later. Uh, just a second ago, I think I almost cussed for the first time on the podcast. <laughs> I got really fired up too. I was like, oh, okay. Censor yourself, buddy. Take it back. Because you're so right that, and and everyone at this point will have heard the interview I did with Brooke about speech pathologists. And there's an avenue that they can become CLT certified and they focus on head and neck cancer treatment, but it doesn't mean that they would ever treat a lower extremity lymphedema patient or even an up and upper, oh my Lord, my words, or even an upper extremity lymphedema patient. They are going to focus on head and neck lymphedema, internal swelling, and they're going to focus on what is within their scope. And that's the whole thing that when we don't know, it's okay to say we don't know, or if we're not comfortable doing it, it is better to step back and like you said, say, hey, do you have insurance? Can you go see a PT, CLT, and OTCLT or something like that? And then you come in and do the maintenance because there's just so many factors. I, I mean, I could probably get into it. it could be another hour-long conversation, I think, but you really need to know your strengths and know how you can best serve the patients. Because as clinicians, as medical professionals and healthcare providers, that's what our first intention is in our practice, right? That we want to do no harm. And therein lies a really scary truth that if we're not doing this correctly, we could actually be doing some harm. And while it may not be an actual life or death situation, you could really just set them up for a poorer quality of life if you waste some of their time, if you waste some of their resources, and then maybe they don't trust the health system again to go and see a different CLT. They'll say, I've already seen one. They're all created equal. And they might judge the modality itself like lymphedema treatment doesn't work for me. It, it's no good. And, and they, they may not go back because these people typically have had multiple health conditions. They've been lots to lots of doctors, lots of appointments. You know, when a person has had cancer, they've used yeah. all their sick time. They, they can't miss any more work. And you know what? They don't want to miss any more work. They don't want to tell their coworkers one to two years later, I'm out for another doctor's appointment. Because when a person has cancer, and that's a whole nother topic, you know, everybody's great right at first. You know, they bring in you casserole dishes and they're offering to drive you to chemo and they're buying you, you know, cozy slippers. But, you know, a year down the road when your hair's grown back, well, they think you yeah. ought to just be done. 
you know, and lymphedema is an ongoing thing and people get weary of it. I'd get weary of it. I'd get sick of, you know, doing my own MLD and bandaging myself all the time. I mean, it's, it's, it's a long-term condition and, you know, we don't need to waste these people's time and we do need to know where our limits are, where our ownership begins and ends, because it's not about us. It's about the person in front of us. I couldn't have even asked you to end this episode any better. That was extremely well said. And honestly, that's the highlight of the whole point of this series and this month for lymphedema awareness. So I'm going to close this out. And will you let the audience know where to learn more about your services, your business, um, What's your website? How can we get in touch with you? Great. The name of my business is Bodywork RX, but I would actually like to direct everybody to the Health Collective. The website is www.hlthco.com. I work in a great uh, co-working space for independent health providers, so we're all listed there. I want to, you can get to my website from that, but you can also see the other folks because it's a pretty cool concept. And then all our social media is connected there as well. And I can speak from experience having been to your office for the Health Collective because that's where we hosted our first um, Pediatric Lymphedema Alliance course for the the certification course for Pediatric Lymphedema. And then it's also the same clinic that we shot our in-person, I mean, our online course for. So the setup is great. The office space is great. And if you're in the Metroplex area, um, especially there in Dallas, I could not recommend a better place. I think I tell people about you all the time. I'm like, oh, you're in Dallas? You should go to the Health Collective. Thanks a lot, Betty. This has been fun. Yeah, thank you. I wanted to just um, take a second to highlight you because you really were the mentor that I like sought after. I didn't know I was looking for you. Um, I know that as a CLT, when I first came out, I had a pretty rough situation in my clinic. And I just remember finding you and you like poured into me and you encouraged me. And then we met up a couple times for lobby days in DC. And I've looked up to you ever since. So I just appreciate all you're doing and continue to do. And I just admire your grit. I admire all that you do for the lymphedema community. And you as well, Betty. I mean, you have really taken this and run with it. I'm so proud of what you've done and participating in the podcast and the other things that you do for the community. It's just fantastic for us all to grow together. Mother Teresa says loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. This podcast is here for you to find friendship and a community for your journey with lymphedema. I hope you enjoyed learning more from Dr. Heather Evans today. Remember, if there is a topic you're looking for, the website has a full library of podcast episodes. Email me with your story if you would like to share. Lymphedemapodcast at gmail.com or visit the website lymphedemapodcast.com to submit a topic for another episode.